Hello, and welcome to another episode of Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. My name is Alec Mappa. I'm an actor, comedian, and I used to have panic attacks so bad I would freeze on the subway platform for minutes at a time. <laughs> That's where we're going to start. Anyway, yeah. I'm Matt Dempsey. I'm a psychotherapist and a multicultural counselor, and I'm going to help walk out like a, you know, through his supposed panic attacks. Why? When, how long is it going to take you to get used to me? <laughs> I love it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, um, because today's topic is um, um, uncertainty fatigue. Uncertainty fatigue. Yeah. Yes. I'll be honest with you. Um, I just heard this term just a few days ago from a client, and mm. I hadn't heard the, that specific term, but just the context clues of it. I'm very huh. familiar with what it okay. is. All right. Yeah. Um, so what I guess is I would, it, what is your definition of it? Is it is it a clinical term that you've heard that no. has ever come up before, or is it just as it applies to now? I wouldn't say it's necessarily a hard uh, clinical term as much as it is just kind of more of like a pop culture reference to what's going on right now. Got it. But see, the thing is, is that right now, everything that's going on, we've got a global pandemic, we've got mm -hmm. civil unrest and racial I hadn't justice. Heard. No, mm -hmm. yeah, it's okay. Well, let me put you in. Um, we've got forest fires happening. Mm. There's a lot of shit. We've, it's an election year, right? Mm -hmm. So there's so many things that are going on this year that are making it incredible incredibly overwhelming and incredibly tense. And it's not just one crisis that happens, no. you know, over a short period of time. And then we kind of figure it out. This is something that is being prolonged literally over the course of an entire year, maybe more. And so what winds up I think happening, since 9 11, 2016, this has been going on. Okay. Yes. Um, and, and also, but for, let's just narrow it down a little bit more to what's okay. going on specifically this year, All right. because there's, there's a lot that's going on and the thing, so it's exhausting, just all of it on the surface, right? It makes sense that it's exhausting, but I think the thing that a lot of people sometimes might forget. This is Jess Betancourt, the host of DNA ID, the only true crime podcast that exclusively covers cases solved using forensic genealogy. DNA ID goes behind the headlines to answer your questions about this remarkable new crime solving tool, how it works, how cases are selected, why the cases were unsolved for so long, and how the justice system is addressing it. I include input from law enforcement to give you the inside scoop that we all crave with a straightforward, no-nonsense delivery. You can find DNA ID on any podcast platform. Episodes come out weekly on Mondays. Hmm. Is that there's that there's that kind of primal part of our brain that's responsible for just survival. And yes. so when we don't know what to expect or to predict, then that part of our brain is just constantly running and just constantly checking in and constantly seeing where we're at. And so it's this kind of like low hum, kind of mm -hmm. like vibration of effort and energy that we're not even aware of that we're exerting. And so we become exhausted. So mm -hmm. for me, like, you know, I'm doing you know, I'm seeing maybe 20 to 22 clients a week. We're doing our podcast, you know, recording one or two a week, you know, this kind of stuff normally is totally manageable for me, but I'm also finding myself now, like within the last few months, really starting to get burned out. Like I am exhausted from work mm. that normally does not exhaust me. And this is what we're talking about, which is uncertainty fatigue. Uncertainty fatigue. Well, yes. you know, all of my panic attacks when I was living in New York, well, they were AIDS related. Um, yes. You know, I, cause yes. I, was, I did live through the first plague and it was all, it was a lot of my, my panic attacks and the ones that I've had since then are all about trying to control circumstances. Yes. That I want certainty. Yes. And that, and it's, it's kind of like, and you know, when you when you raise a child, you know what I'm raising a black son. Mm -hmm. And if I had to think about all the things that I was worried about all the time and trying to control those circumstances, I always told my uh, husband, you know, I, I have to teach him what that means. You know, I have yeah. to surround him with black mentors and everything. I always told my husband, if we had a white son, I'd say, you want to know what it's be like white? Ask your father. 
Yeah. <laughs> Go watch Friends. Yeah. Um, take something that doesn't belong to you and call it Oklahoma. You know, it just, that's <laughs> what, what I would do. But it's lately, I've been, this is, I, I chant every day for an hour. And yeah. I told you I started that in April and I'm addicted because yeah. for this an hour. This is your specific form of meditation. Yeah, Yeah. it gets me out of my head. I hear my own thoughts. And also it's something I can control and it calms me down. Now, um, because right now, like Michelle Obama, have you listened to the Michelle Obama podcast? I haven't, no, I haven't. So good. Um, Maybe she'll be on the show. Yeah, Um, let's get her on. (laughs) Let's get Michelle Obama on. She (laughs) said, uh, right now, our entire calendars are in pencil. Everything's in pencil. Oh yeah. my God. Yes. And that is exhausting and emotionally depleting. Emotionally depleting. But yes. I, I'm lately of the belief that certainty is an illusion. Yes. Oh, yes, it absolutely is. I don't think there's such a thing. Because, no, there's not. Yeah. I mean, there could be an earthquake tomorrow. Aliens yeah. could land and eat us. Yeah. You know, so it's like, <laughs> have a cheeseburger. <laughs> no, but you know what? I think that this is all doing us a really solid uh, or giving us a solid opportunity to actually start to grieve the loss of the illusion of certainty and control. Mm. And I think that that's what this is really an opportunity. That's at least the story that I'm telling myself about this year. Is if, but, okay, from a the clinical thing about, standpoint, but, if you grieve, then yeah. you're acknowledging your sadness, you're feeling yes. the sadness, you're not ignoring it. Exactly. You acknowledge it so that it is real. You also kind of give it context for maybe some of the emotional experiences that you're going to feel as you're grieving the loss of the thing. But it doesn't mean that it takes away the pain and the discomfort and the challenges of it. And so that's Mm. where we're at now. We're in process. We're collectively in process. So it's like, if you can imagine like, you know, say you've got a close friend of yours who just lost their partner, right? Mm. It's kind of like, well, you've got a whole other group around who can support that partner, right? Like a whole bunch of like you know, friends and family to support that that partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of us, we're all collectively grieving. So we're like bouncing right. off of each other and it's hard for us to even support each other. And so it's just kind of a shit show. This has something to do with that conversation. Follow me. Um, did you see Midsommar? I haven't. That oh my God. kind of scares me. Okay, it's the best movie. I get movie. scared, I don't wanna. It's, it's on Amazon. <laughs> it's such a great movie, but it's about a cult in Sweden. Yeah. And yeah. Um, But there's this one part where the girl, the main character, it's not a spoiler alert because she's grieving at the, at the beginning of the movie. She has death in the family. Mm-hmm. And at one point, she's in the uh, Midsommar area and all the women surround her as she's crying. Yeah. And as she's crying, they all face her and just like are also crying with her. And they're she, they're holding their her hands in their hands, and they're they're like crying back at her, and wow. it's like a community, a whole community, empathizing and validating wow. her sadness, and it's a really moving scene. And I feel like I watch that scene, and I enjoy it now because I think we could all benefit yes. of having somebody hold our faces right now oh as we God, scream totally. cry. Into <laughs> as we <theirs>. scream cry. <laughs> That's so, so funny. So yeah. hold my face, Matthew. This will just take five minutes. Actually, <laughs> I'm five virtually hours. holding your face, Alex. Virtually <sighs> holding it. But that's so funny because you and I are both self-proclaimed uh, feelers, right? We're empaths. We feel a lot. Oh my god, um, too much. I'm actually really. I'm really. I know that we're not necessarily at the point of introducing our uh, guest today, but I'm I also really excited. I'm really excited about our guest, Wilson Cruz, because oh. do you know this is a fun fact? Alec and I know each other through. Wilson Cruz. Wilson Cruz. We had a threesome me? in a bathroom <laughs> in West Hollywood. No, neither this one a- of them called me back, <laughs> and I was I was really pushed about it. 
Totally. And then Alec roped me into doing this show. So I said, all right, let's just do it. <laughs> no, uh, seriously, folks. Uh, we uh, y- Wilson appeared in one of your um, videos that you do on the YouTube. Yeah. So I so I create videos and I try to talk about all different kinds of topics as mm-hmm. you know, I'm not just a psychotherapist, also multi- multicultural counselor. So I try to kind of bring those topics into conversation. And so there was one video that I really wanted to do. I was actually really inspired by Chelsea Handler's show at the time. And she was okay. doing these like dinner conversations that I just thought I love the setup of it. So I thought I want to do that setup, but specifically talk about racism in the gay community. And so I wanted to bring everybody who could kind of like represent a variety of different, you know, kind of racial identities or ethnic uh-huh. identities to the conversation. Um, and for me to just kind of like help ask questions and whatever anyway. And so that's why, uh, and I was talking to Wilson and I'm like, Wilson, all of my Asian friends are unavailable. <laughs> I don't know what to do. He's like, I think I've got somebody. <laughs> so Ooh, then it was you. Oh my gosh. And that's, yes. that's where everything turns out. What that's a what blessing. Let's bring Wilson on right away. He's a triple threat, award-winning actor, activist, humanitarian are just a few terms to describe Wilson. He currently stars in the award-winning CBS All Access series, Star Trek Discovery. He appeared on the Netflix series, 13 Reasons Why, and in Hulu's breakthrough, GLAAD award-winning original animated kids series, The Bravest Night. Oh, he's busy. He is also the executive producer of the critically lauded docuseries called Visible, out on television, Airing on Apple TV, please welcome our dear friend, Wilson Cruz. Yay, Wilson! (laughs) Okay, today's topic is, is uncertainty fatigue go? (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Wilson, Wilson, Wilson. Wait, can I actually just say, before we just launch into this, I know that Mm. I've I've done this to you before, Wilson. I know I've told you this before, but I just have to say a a couple of things about you. So you were in little show called my so-called life way back oh, yeah. when on mtv heard you've heard of it and i have to tell you that i was like this little nebbish gay kid in middle school watching it and so watching you watching somebody who speaking of visibilities being visible as a gay person on tv in high school making it like something of a reality for me that was uh that was actually pretty huge for me so i just wanted to say and thank you i was well, a grown man thank you're welcome that was I- the point I yes. was a grown man as an yeah. actor and living in LA and I was unemployed and broke. So I would watch that show and go, how'd she get that job? <laughs> but then You're we met. Wilson, I know I'm an idiot. Wilson and I met, <laughs> I love telling this story. Um, we met at the uh, in line at the Kukaroo in West Hollywood, which no longer exists. It's now a Shake Shack. And um, we just started talking. We, we, found, up about? we found out within five minutes that we hated all the same people <laughs> and we've been best friends ever since. <laughs> <laughs> no, we bonded about the fact that we were both playing all of these trans roles that we didn't need, we shouldn't have been playing. Right, uh, right. At the time, because we were That's both playing right. like- That's right, because I was, I was recurring, yeah, I was recurring on NYPD Blue as a, as a, a trans sex worker. And back then, back in the 90s when they would cast mm-hmm. us instead of the real thing. Um, yeah. And listen. I had just finished doing Rent and Ally McBeal, and we were talking about that. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. When am I going to wear pants? Right. Um, <laughs> my back is killing me. Let's order some chicken. Um, <laughs> so, so true. <laughs> uh, there's a meme, there's a political meme that's going around uh, that I, I see all the time now. And it, it says, uh, if you aren't outraged, you're not paying attention. And I know that nobody's been paying more attention than you. Yes. So uh, how are you dealing with this this time of uncertainty? 
Um, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that um, I have fluctuated. I've gone in and out of being functional yeah. um, <laughs> and over overly functional at times, um, trying to keep myself um, busy and keep my mind activated. Um, but I, I've gone through some times where I just had to, where I've just kind of fallen apart. And like you were saying, like Matthew was saying earlier, you know, I'm also one of these people who feels things very yeah. deeply. Mm-hmm. Yes, empath. Um, and so, uh, you know, it gets to me, right? And so I, and, and, and I can't not, I can't walk away from it either. I feel like I have mm-hmm. to engage in it. Um, yeah. But, you know, at the same time, I feel like, um, I feel like this time has allowed me some time to think about what's important to me and, you know, who and what I want my life, who I want in my life and what I want this life to be about. And, what what priorities what I, what I'm prioritizing, mm-hmm. um, but it's been really it's it has not been an easy time. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. Well, that's I'm all exhausted. we have time for today. <laughs> I feel like, Thank you so much for no. <laughs> no, I was actually going to ask how you're feeling. So you're exhausted. I feel like I'm waiting. Not waiting. I feel like I'm active. I'm I'm active in this election. Like I want to get the the information mm-hmm. out. I want us to all be present and understand what the stakes are to, to communicate what those stakes are. Um, but I do think that there is a part of me and a, and a part of people in my life who are waiting to see what happens during this election to uh-huh. make real decisions about how we live the rest of our lives. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I know this is going to sound hyperbolic, but I'm not going to be one of those people who's going to be waiting around here for the gas chambers to actually be built. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, we're being led to, uh, you know, a, a, an author- authoritarian place. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily want to be around to welcome it. If that's to the hand to the handmaid's tale yeah. portion of our, 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 right. our experiment in democracy. <laughs> you know, there was that NBA coach. Um, his name just escaped me. Uh, Don. Anyway, uh, he's the, the coach of the of the Clippers here in Los Angeles. And, mm. you know, he was talking about. um what was going, what's going on in, in Wisconsin Mm -hmm. and said, you know, I don't understand why we keep loving this country and it does, and it refuses to love us back. Right. And I, I and I understand that. that. Yeah. And I understand that because I do love this country. I, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, I feel like I've come to a place with this country where we know that we know that the, the values that, it was supposedly founded upon and it almost feels like the people who wrote those documents were like, well, we're not really going to, we don't really believe this stuff. Right. And now mm. we are, we are at a time when um, the people who have been s- subjected to the worst of this country are calling to its conscience yeah. and mm-hmm. requiring it to live up to its ideals finally. Right. Um, and, I don't think anyone who actually wrote those documents was expecting anybody to hold them to it. And here we are. Um, And so I think this election really is about, are we really going to commit ourselves to become this place that it, that, that we say we are, or are we going to take a hard right turn um, and become something else? Um, And if we decide to become something else, I don't necessarily want to be around here to see that. That's where we're going to live. Where are we going? Where are we going? 
I could but you know, Vancouver. I was, I, you know, it was interesting though because I was watching last night. Oprah has this new series on Apple TV Plus where uh, it's the conversation, the Oprah conversation, and she was, and it's and it's all about this systemic racism and everything. And she was interviewing um, Brian Stevenson, I think is his name. And and one thing that he was saying was that either you um, either you have hope or you've just kind of given up and it's done, right? Um, and so that he was saying that obviously despair. everything despair, not just mm-hmm. dis- yeah, not just despair, but actually just kind of like forfeiting the game. But just saying that um, that with everything, you know, kind of giving context for everything, obviously this is like an incredibly intense time. It's an enraging time. It's an infuriating time. It's a time for us to be able to pause and actually reflect in newer ways than we ever have before and bring it to the next level, but still maintaining that there absolutely can be hope and actually is hope that he was talking about how right now and the way that um, almost kind of like this really interesting confluence of events that have happened where it wasn't just, you know, another black man who was murdered, like George Floyd being murdered. Um, and you know, and everybody carried on, everybody was forced to sit down and be at home and focus and pay attention in ways that we never had to because of the global pandemic, but Uh that this is an opportunity in time where we are now paying attention and especially, and I'll speak for white people, not all white people, but especially for a lot of white people who, where it's been very easy for all of us, I'll just speak for myself. It's been easy for me as a white person to not pay attention or to just kind of say like, oh, that's a shame that that happened again. And then go about my day where now I'm forced to have that's the absolute privilege is that I can remain ignorant, but yet still help support the systems that are in place that oppress a whole other groups of people. Um, but now that there's this opportunity where we're being forced to actually pay attention and kick it up to the next level, right? So it's not necessarily kind of black and white, like, oh, you know, we've been racist. Are we going to be able to not be racist anymore? It's about paying attention to how things have continued to evolve and how this is a newer opportunity than ever before for us to make meaningful, long-lasting, impactful change. I, you know what, I'm going to piggyback on that for a second, because um, it, it, this time of, of, of us being locked down has forced us to, and we're seeing, we're seeing that the, the, the effect of this, of having the realization that everything that touches you touches me, yeah. that we're all in this together, yes. biologically and scientifically as a body of humanity. Yeah. And, and, and the people who don't believe it are the people that were, are the reason we're in trouble right now. The people who don't believe that we're all in this together, I don't have to wear a fucking mask. Right. Um, you have to do what your life, it doesn't affect mine. Yeah. I mean, this administration is like, unless it affects me personally, I don't give a shit. Yeah. And it's like, we're at a reckoning of like, are we going to, like what you said, Wilson, are we going to take that hard right turn where we only care about ourselves and we only care about the certain segments of the population? I mean- if you think of all of us as individual cells in the body of humanity, yes. when a cell, all of us as cells, all the cells in our body are designed, I'm going to help the brain. I'm going to help the lung function. I'm going to help the liver function. Mm-hmm. And when a cell goes rogue and goes, fuck you guys, I'm going to do my own thing. That's cancer. Yeah. Right. And right now this administration is cancerous, but what gives me hope is uh, last year, this time I, um, I uh, I was I was I was lobbying in Washington D.C. for the Every Child Deserves a Family Act with Karamo in order to prevent discrimination in foster and adoption. Mm-hmm. It's a bill that was introduced by John Lewis because under this administration they're trying to push more and more religious freedoms that I can discriminate against a qualified couple based on your right. orientation, your gender identity, etc. Uh, federal agencies that receive tax are able to do that legally, and they're trying to expand that. So through family equality. We're trying to do this. Long story long, John Lewis came into the room and it was just kind of like, 
a rock star. Uh, he carried so much weight and experience with him into the room. And the whole, I mean, there were 300 people in the room. We all perked up, you know, and in and paid attention to this man who's lived through everything. And that made me think that we exist. The people who think like you, Wilson, and the people who think like me, you know, in this specific thing, on a, on a, on a my, the pessimistic side of me thinks, oh, we live in a bubble and that's how, why Trump won. Mm-hmm. But I also like to think there are more people who really do care. Yes. I, I believe, I, I want to believe that too. I actually do believe that. Um, the, the problem I, I, well, I don't want to be negative, right? Like I really do believe- Go for it. No, this, really, is, this, is the, I, this is the hot mess show. We can talk no, about I, I really do believe that we, uh, uh, you know, I have faith that we are going to come out of this election and make the right decision. Um, my, my fear is that that will happen and that we won't address the underlying issues. You know, I'm right. reading this book called Cast um, that really looks at how um, humanity- Yes. In, th- in three different cultures has gone out of its way, has gone, has made qu- quite an effort to create hierarchies that are based on absurdities. Mm-hmm. Um, Caste systems, which is where yeah. the book gets its name from, caste. Right. And so, you know, she, Isabel Wilkerson, who writes this book, um, has this, this section of the book where she, ta- where she compares the country to an old house. This is an old house that we are in America and that, you know, we, we keep ignoring these little issues in the house, uh, these little cracks or, you know, bubbling of water damage that if that we continue to to ignore and just continue to fester and grow and become larger problems. And that's what racism and this caste system that we live in yeah. has has done to us. You know, we have been indoctrinated um, generation after generation. Uh, to believe about ourselves and about each other, things that are not true, that are based on things that are absurd. Um, and 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 when we say these things out loud and when we hear these things out loud, we know how absurd they are. And yet they are still part of our DNA as a country. And that's what we haven't dealt with. We haven't dealt mm-hmm. with the ills that that are causing this cancer. Yeah. We haven't, you know, we haven't, we haven't named it. We haven't um, we haven't had a, a truth and re- reconciliation moment where we talk about what this racist racist society has done to us as a whole and individually. And I think we need to do that. I don't think I don't understand how we get beyond any of this if we if we don't start naming it and talking about it and and all looking at it from the same perspective because. Right now, there's just there's too much of this country that that ignores or denies um, the history of what happened here. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. we we're so we 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 love to see ourselves as um, you know the greatest country in the world, and you know we 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 chant USA USA, and yet we don't realize that how do I put this. That this that the that the, the the this society was used, for instance, yeah. uh, to to in, in 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 Nazi Germany to create the society that they built there. They actually studied yes. what we did to African Americans here mm-hmm. and Native Americans and, apply, and yes. Native Americans and applied mm-hmm. it yeah to to Germany and these Nuremberg laws that were created. So. You know, we don't teach that in our schools. We don't. Right. We don't talk about any of that. And 
and because it's that's purposeful. This, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that, and it's about the uh, you know because I've been I, I I've it been known to read a book or two myself. Yeah, it's it's the preservation of white innocence. Exactly. You know that's what white supremacy yes. is because it's like somebody said like the system is broken. No, nope, the, the system's, system's doing working. exactly yeah. what it was designed to do. Yeah. It is a white supremacist system that is um, designed to protect the interests. Of white people. Yeah. And so, and so, like, I grew up, you know, I remember as a kid being a patriotic, you know, 1976, the bicentennial, and we got like everything was red, white, and blue, yeah. and there was a big parade yeah. at Disneyland. And, and but we want to believe that. Yeah. And we want to believe that. But if you look really closely at the real history of this country, and there's there hasn't been a reckoning, there hasn't been a national acknowledgement of, yeah, of we had terror. slaves. Yeah. Yeah, of yeah, the, yeah, the terror. We, we, we killed all the Indians and took all their exactly. land. Exactly. You know, yeah. So, you know, full disclosure and transparency, I did not confront or become aware of my white privilege until grad school. And the reason why that happened was because in my grad school, it's the reason why I'm a multicultural counselor is because that's a, that's a framework for how I do therapy is understanding the variety of cultural identities that make us up and how that, you know, intersects with each other and creates our self-concept and then how we move through the world. So a big part of it is really breaking down those different cultural identities and, you know, especially the more salient ones, like things like race. And so I remember just being in class and, and uh, you know, and, and remembering professors talking about, you know, like, yeah, we're, you know, we're kind of fed these lies from an early age about like, you know, 1492, Columbus of the Ocean Blue, he discovered America as if America wasn't already discovered, you know? Uh -huh. And it's just right. like all these, and it's just like, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> it's like, yes, no, white people came over and then we just stole land. White people came over <laughs> and continue to set up these systems over centuries, these systems that continue to keep um, this idea of race intact and then also using that as a measure to be able to segregate and separate and be able to maintain one group of people's power so that they can be on top. But that means that other people have to be oppressed. But um, I remember <laughs> starting to confront and unpack all that and be like, oh, shit, there's a lot of work to do here. <laughs> yeah, there, there are, you know, and even, you know, I know I keep coming back to this book, but she talks about these nine pillars in society that keep this thing up. Yeah. You know, these ways that we continue to perpetuate this, that we yeah. is it just business thing? Is it just capitalism? Is it just business well, of the nine pillars that keep this in place? I'm sorry. I, mean, I, I well, think so that me, was part of it. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Capitalism, of course, money, power, all of that stuff. Right. It's kind of like one version of that. But I guess the thing that I'm interested about was because I'm also reading cast. I think you might be a little yeah. further along. I'm only 100 pages in. So <laughs> I've got more reading to go. It's dense. Um, but it's really interesting. I love it. And but I think the interesting thing is that it kind of sounds like as you're talking, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like when you're talking about it, it almost like fuels your fear and fury more, like or creates more hopelessness for you. Is hmm. would you say that's true? No, I don't you know, I, I think what it does for me is it's a lifting of the veil. Right? It's this yeah. it's this veil that we have put over yeah. everyone in this country. Yes. It's, it's, it's the matrix. It's taking the red, it's taking the blue pill. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, a lot of this I have known intellectually, yes. but to see it in yeah. front of me and to read it and to see that someone else sees it too. Yeah. I think that's the power of this book. And it's the power that we are denying our children when we don't teach them mm -hmm. these things in our schools, because then they go out in the world ignorant of this Right. And continue to perpetuate it. And that's how we find ourselves over 200 years later yeah. mm. dealing with these same issues in a house totally. that is crumbling. Yes. And right. we have a person who's looking to buy this house and just build on it.
on a foundation that is cracked and crumbling and 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 will be destroyed. Yeah, but I guess I think I think about it in I guess I think about it in this way and I'm very keenly aware of the fact that I'm speaking as a white person and from a place of privilege and a lot of ignorance still so feel free to call me out. But I guess I think about it in terms of that this when I'm reading books like Cast or you know be, or seeing people, you know, white people especially becoming more anti-racist or at the very least starting to use this verbiage and aware. understand things and becoming more aware, that gives that gives me hope. Because it then shows me that maybe there really is an opportunity here for us to have conversations that we've never had before, begin to acknowledge some of the things. And then it kind of makes me think about like when I have new clients that come in, clients come in and, you know, they kind of talk about some of their issues. We start digging and we realize that there's kind of more here than ever before. But I know, having done therapy for, for a while now, that it's like, oh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. So I know that that pain is good pain, it's growing pains, and that it's an opportunity to grow. So I guess I say all of that as everything that's going on now, although it's depleting and it's exhausting and all this stuff, um, I also feel hopeful about it. So, so my question I, to you, I, I, so I think, my, wait, so my, my question okay. to you is that, you know, that, you know, it'll get worse before it gets better. My, my issue with that is um, it doesn't get better. I feel like, um, I feel like we just keep continuing to to learn the same lesson over and over. Yeah. You know? So yeah, we go through something and then we say we've learned the lesson. And then two months later, we have another shooting of a black man for no reason, Mm -hmm. unarmed on the back, seven shots. Or a Mm -hmm. a young white 17-year-old boy who's been indoctrinated enough to travel outside of his state into a city. Yeah, with an Kyle AR, Rittenhouse shot two you know, people a, dead, and then and, the police in the didn't do anything. Street. Yeah, and yeah. gave him a, a a bottle of water. So you know what I mean, like right? Yeah, mm-hmm. we we continue to learn these lessons, but we keep learning. We keep ha- having to learn the same lesson over and over and over again. And so my point is, why do we continue to to do the same thing? Yeah, with right. The same results, right. as opposed to getting down to what we really need to be talking about, which is at the foundation of this country, about how we have been terrorizing people of color yeah. for mm-hmm. centuries. Totally. I definitely agree with that. And maybe, and and, and I feel like that this is probably where more of my ignorance is, is uh, coming up and blinding me a bit. To me, I guess, I guess it does feel like is is it entirely is it entirely just the the same lessons over and over again or are we getting to places where we're getting at it in newer ways and kind of more nuanced ways and evolving i feel like we're at the very beginning of this conversation yeah. like this is the first time that we're having this the, the conversation about race and systemic racism on purpose right and and I think that, you know, when you worry about like it going away, I, I like to think that this isn't the ice bucket challenge, that we're still going to be talking about this from a year from now, yes. because people will still have phones, right? People will still the cops will still be, um, uh, 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 you know, uh, the the protests will still be going on um, uh, because it's like you said, it hasn't stopped. Right. So this is the this is the part that that I think people miss. People who are who look at us like we're crazy because we're even talking about this is the lack of they 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 so a lot of most a lot of people lack the ability to make the connection between what happened 250 years ago, right, and why 
people are still living the way that they do in this country if you're a person of color. It's right. an easy connection to make. But it's if difficult just for them draw to be a graph to for right. people. No, but it's, it's it's an easy connection to make when we're talking about things in very practical, rational terms. But we're not practical and rational beings entirely. We're emotional. And so that's why there's a lot of emotionality and egos and fears that get in the way. A lot of white people, they wouldn't consciously think of it in this way, but white people are afraid to lose power. And so that's why we have to remain ignorant to things, not be conscious of that. So we then very ignorantly yeah, and maintain power. How do you speak out against a system guilt. that benefits you? Well, but I think that's the point. I actually just kind of made a, I just made a video about this the other day um, as white people. So I believe that it's us, that it is our responsibility, those of us who are white allies, to be able to hear the rage, the fury, not police that, be able to hear it, and then also be the ones to make sense of it, interpret things, and be able to communicate it, that we have to be the ones who are the bridge then to other white people who are unable to hear it, and that we get to be, again, white allies, get to be the ones who can start to reach across in ways that other people of color, black people can't do. My thoughts. So, I mean, here, here's, <laughs> here's <laughs> I, I'm just gonna read a little, uh, this one paragraph that, yeah. that really illustrates from to me what my point, my point, yes, from Pat, from yes. Pat. Okay. She says, we in the developed world are like homeowners who inherited a house on a piece of land that is beautiful on the outside, but whose soil is unstable loam and rock, heaving and contracting over generations, cracks patched, but the deeper ruptures waved away for decades, centuries even. Many people may rightly say, I had nothing to do with how this all started. I have nothing to do with the sins of the past. My ancestors never attacked indigenous people, never owned slaves, unquote. And yet, not one of us was here when this house was built. Our immediate ancestors may have had nothing to do with it, but here we are, the current occupants of a property with stress cracks and bowed walls and fissures built into foundation. We are the heirs to whatever is right or wrong with it. We did not erect the uneven pillars or joists, but they are ours to deal with now. Yeah, I think it's very hard for white people not to hear everything that's going on, hearing things like white supremacy or white privilege or systemic racism and not feel like it's a blame, right? Like nobody's mm -hmm. saying you did this. We're just saying we all inherited this and now we need to own it. And white people are in a place of power. So just own that so we can start to break that down and right. we can all get on the same page. And about we this. all grew up in this society where we were being fed all of this misinformation and absurdity. Right. You know, we didn't know that we didn't know it. And you are white people are as much of a victim of this racism as anybody else, if not more so because of the indoctrination that they had to t go through in order to believe these absurd things. Right. So we're all victims of it. We just all need to be doing the work, which begins with admitting what happened here. Yeah, and I think that, that, I think that paragraph really says it all. It's like, well, you weren't here when the house was built, but here we are. Yeah. So are you going to ignore this or are you going to acknowledge it? Right. Yeah. And, and we have to keep talking about it. Right. And 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 so when we talk about, I'm sorry, it's just. I, I just get frustrated. I'm sorry. I get frustrated. How do you, okay. I well, go on well, Wilson, no, let me ask you, because I think <laughs> no. that, I think you're expressing something that a lot of people are feeling. And I think that it's incredibly normal for a lot of people and a lot of us to be feeling. So how then for you, maybe even kind of in a, in a broader sense, how, when things aren't maybe kind of as dialed up as they are right now, how, how for you, are you able to acknowledge things that create conflict or attention within you yet still hold on to hope? Because 
in my heart of hearts. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm also reading this other book. <laughs> Which one? What's the book? I'm also, it's, it, it's, reading book. it's a Jackie Collins novel called. Um... <laughs> I know it's called it's called Humankind. Um, and wow. the, the, the premise of the book and the argument being made in the book is that, you know, we use this term uh, human nature. And we blame all these things on human nature that it's, the, you know, it's it's human nature to be selfish and to be mm. uh, only concerned with oneself, but that. In, in reality, in actuality, human nature is to be giving, is to extend ourselves, is to be of service. Um, that that there's actually there's actually more scientific proof that that lends itself to that. But we're so willing and so um, uh, convinced that human nature is the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, so when you ask me what gives me hope, is that I really believe that what makes this species amazing, what makes our species amazing is our ability to extend ourselves. What, you know, that, that at our, at our base, we yeah. are good. Yeah. So that gives me hope. I just want us to be able to tap into that more um, out yeah. of a sense of security than to act out out of a sense of insecurity, which is what we've been doing right. for millennium. Totally. I think, I think Wilson just gave us the hot message of the day. Which is what? We usually, What's that we usually end with a hot message. It, it's just kind of tapping into your humanity yeah. that that we are hardwired to give a shit about each other. Yeah. And and these kind of things, you know, the systemic racism and everything. It's not just about like being woke. It's about this is in your self interest. Yes. This is in your. This is like like I always say. I'm I'm for socialized medicine and education because it's not in my best interest to be surrounded by sick, uneducated people. <laughs> It's right. just not. Yeah. Um, Wilson, we could talk forever and forever. ever. Yeah. I'm sorry if I just, you know. I miss, don't, don't apologize for anything. This is the Hot Mess podcast, and we get into yeah, it. Yeah, we're messy. That's the whole point of the show is that growth and change is messy. Yes, exactly. And it's, 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 but it's the only way we, um, well, the only way we grow and change is by going through it. Yeah. And I think we're all going through we it right are. now. So I think there's, there, there will be another side to this. I absolutely yes. believe yeah. that. And I so when you, and I'll leave you with this, uh, my, you know, what I do to live in hope is to look to, to people like you, Alec, and to you, Matt, who are having difficult conversations and extending themselves. So you give me hope. Um, that's the kind of world that I want to live in. Yeah. Yeah. You give us hope too, Wilson. You're <laughs> yeah. a big, beautiful, yeah, you bright light in this world. Thank you. You too. Um, <laughs> I, everybody follow Wilson. Where where can we find you on your socials, Wilson? Because you do have a very... WCruise73. Uh, and that applies to Facebook, Instagram, and all, all that jazz. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, and then Facebook is just me. Wilson, yeah. <laughs> okay. Wilson, thank you thank so you, much. Wilson. And thank you for all your activism. Yes, we love you. Absolutely. I love you. Don't forget to watch um, uh, Wilson on Star Trek on CBS All Access. Yes. I love you, Wilson. Love you, Wilson. I love you, too. Well, listen, my hot message of the day, just building on Wilson's thing, it's like I'm I'm really living this on a meta level yeah. with a black sun yes, you are. day after day. Yeah. And, 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 and from the minute he came into our lives, I, I witnessed firsthand what children go through, mm -hmm. you know, the discrimination black children go through. And I and I and I'm seeing it against him as a, as a teenager. But I have to live with hope. Mm -hmm. I have to. Otherwise, I can't go on. Yeah. And, I, and, and I think that they're. There, it, it is our natural impulse not to be terrible, which is why all of this, all of this feels unnatural. Yes, right now. totally. Yeah, I would say kind of my hot message of the day 
is, you know, maybe I'll speak specifically to white people is to just be aware of the fact that anytime that we reactively um, kind of act out defensively in any context, it's always kind of feeding our ego and it always continues to feed the beast of fear that Mm. we have to protect ourselves, uh, you know, in order to be okay in the world. And it's just not true. And so the moment that we can start to have difficult conversations and lean into the discomfort of change, that's how we evolve. And it's not about turning power over to other groups of people. It's about actually starting to achieve equality. But that is also going to be something then that we can start to feel more at peace within ourselves and also Mm -hmm. allow ourselves to feel hope. So. That's what I would say. Yeah, that's just going to make your world bigger. It's just going to make it more expansive. Where can we find you? This was a really intense show. It was. I really loved it, I'm sweating. I'm sweating, too. I might need a shower after this. Because it's a good workout, right? We're learning and we're growing. All right. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, at MJ Dempsey Psych and Matthew J. Dempsey Psychotherapy on Facebook. You can find us both at The Hot Mess Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Write us. Let us know what you're thinking about and how much you love the show. And you can find me at Alec Mappa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, If you've enjoyed the show in any way, shape, or form, please download and subscribe. And don't forget to come back next week when we'll have more Hot Mess fun. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. everybody. The Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey Psychotherapist Podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.